0: It is an honor and privilege uh, to give God's Word to us this morning. Today we will be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. You could turn in your Bibles at this time to that passage. Feel free to use the Bibles that are in front of you in the pews if you forgot your Bible at home or if you don't have one. And if you don't have a Bible at home, please feel free to take this uh, the Bible with you. Uh, receive it as a gift from First Alliance Church to you this season. In 1998, Nintendo created the handheld gaming console, the Game Boy Color. It was a rage. It was the thing that every kid wanted. Uh, you could take this handheld gaming system anywhere you wanted, except for in the water, of course. Um, and it was, honestly, it was still the size of a brick in your pocket, but... It's a portable gaming system. Uh, It was still innovative at that time. It was still the thing that every kid wanted for Christmas. Alongside the release, there were a collection of games that could be purchased with it for your entertainment. One of them being this game called Pokemon Blue. Uh, These games were come in square cartridges, and you can place them in the back of the Game Boy, which allows you to play the game The Vu family, this Christmas season, that Christmas season, was enjoying time with one another and just hanging out. Uh, And then it came to present opening time. The moment that all kids, all of us, all my siblings and I were anticipating throughout the day. Six-year-old Chen was stoked and was excited and ready to open his gifts. As he opened up a few gifts from relatives, uh, I remember all I got was... Sweaters and clothing. Uh, I was thinking, is there? Is this all there is to Christmas? Sweaters and khakis. There's got to be more. I felt like there was, it was. I was on a commercial, right? And right then, uh, right when I was about to give up hope, Dad comes around and hands me a box about the size of a burrito at Chipotle. I don't know. That's that's all I have for reference for size. Um, so I open it up and bam. There it is. Pokemon Blue. The game that I've seen all my friends playing and talking about. I could finally be, be part of that group. I can finally be on par with those conversations. Saying, yeah, I know that part in the game. And I was so happy. I, I, I was excited. I gave my dad a hug from what I can remember. And then I connected the dots. I have the game... But what about the Game Boy Color, the, the gaming console? So I turned and I asked Dad, Where's the Game Boy? My dad responds, What's a Game Boy? <laughs> At that moment, six-year-old Chen's dream of playing Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy Color was shattered. Uh, As I watched my siblings that evening play their new games on the PlayStation console, which we also had, here here was I sitting in the back of the room, pondering, thinking, life is meaningless now. (laughs) Oh, how long must I wait to play? How long? Now, uh, to let you guys know, I did eventually get to play the the game like three years later. Um, But... (laughs) All this to say disappointment, right? Disappointment and longing is part of our lives. We've all experienced it to some degree. Disappointment and longing can lead us to a dark place and it can keep us there for a very long time. But praise God. Praise God that he is the light that rescues us from that darkness. And not only does he do that, he takes us out of that place as well and instills in us that same light. In our text this morning, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, we conclude our Advent series with this theme of joy. One can say that everything from the previous weeks, the themes that we talked about for the Advent series, they all lead up to this moment of joy. The hope, the peace, the love, all points to joy in Jesus. In our time this morning, we will be dissecting this text and answering these two questions. To whom is this joy for and what does it do? So let's turn our attention to our text this morning. Would you read along with me? In Luke chapter 2, it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you seeking your wisdom and guidance in our time together. May your word be heard this morning. May you receive all glory, honor, and praise. Open our hearts to receive. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy. Defined by Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it says this, Joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possess, possessing what one desires. So when we read this definition, and we put this text, or we put this next to what we read in Scripture, uh, specifically within the nation and history of Israel, by this definition we can conclude that they did not have any joy at all. Everything that has happened to them has been pretty bad. Now, granted, they they weren't always the most obedient people. When God told them not to do something, they did the exact opposite, right? We see in their history, their kings will often mingle and entangle themselves with pagan cultures, replacing God with false idols. They would be conquered and ruled by different empires. And on top of that, the Lord stays silent for 400 years. And we see this between, uh, between the book of Malachi and the gospel account of Matthew. So yeah, by definition, the, the nation of Israel did not have joy. Because that's not what they desired. They were not in well-being. They did not have good fortune or success. So we must ask the question, is there more to this word joy than what we read in the dictionary? And the, the simple answer is yes. You see, biblical joy is an internal emotional response to trust in God and his promises. And this is, and this is for all of those who would choose to receive it. Again, let me repeat that. Biblical joy is an internal emotional response of trust in God and His promises. And this is for all of those who would choose to receive it. Which leads us to our first point this morning. What is joy? And who uh, who is joy for? Joy appeals to those in need. Those who are in need are those who would also identify themselves as long-suffering and lowly. When we talk about long-suffering, what do we mean by this? As I mentioned earlier, the nation of Israel was in long-suffering. They were waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue them. Similarly to how Moses led the people in the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. You see, the nation and the people of Israel, they're waiting for the Messiah to do the same thing during this time. Remember, it has been centuries, to get some context, it's been centuries of the people of Israel being under someone else's rule. You see, they long for freedom. They long for liberation. Some of us today, some of us here in this very room, We resonate with that long-suffering. Some of you have gone through a time where it seemed like there is no end to suffering. Some of you are still in it right now. My encouragement to you is this. Cling on to the promise of God and this promise that God, that He will restore, that He will bring us to a new kingdom. That in Him, our lives are secure. When we talk about those who are in need, we also have to mention that they are most likely those who are lowly as well. We look at our texts. And verse 8, we are introduced to these shepherds who are in the field in the middle of the night. This message of joy comes to these individuals who were not necessarily all high and mighty. You see, shepherds were despised by the quote-unquote good, respectable people of that day. Shepherds were seen as nasty and dirty. According to Kent Hughes in his commentary on Luke, he says this, the only people lower than shepherds at that particular time in Jewish history were lepers. Now that's pretty low. If you know anything about people with leprosy at that time, is that they will be cast off into a different community. Hence, that's pretty low to be abandoned, to say that you no longer belong in any community. You leave us. And yet the message of joy came to them. Not only did they just hear it, but they received it. They received what this message of joy was. And then they also were obedient. They went to see this Messiah. Messiah. Here's the thing that I want us to realize is that the reality is that you and I are the lowly. We are the long-suffering. And the message of joy was given to us. You see, this, this truly is a message of joy because no matter how far you may be in the region, speaking metaphorically here, the message of joy extends to you. It extends to you. There is also something that I would like to mention about when we talk about joy. When you talk about joy, it, it, it's it also it often comes to those who are in the midst of suffering. It would appear as though that joy is often accompanied by suffering. So, what do I mean by this? Is that we cannot talk about joy. In its truest form, without mentioning the reality of suffering at the same time. I'll be transparent and say that this week has been one that has challenged my understanding of joy to its core. The reason why it's because there are areas that were, was revealed in my life that I must confront. Some of you guys may have those moments too. Some of you guys are probably asking that question now. When the Lord revealed those areas in my my life, and my wife and I were praying through it, just talking through it. Suffering. Even if God doesn't even if something doesn't go the way that I have thought, God, I will still trust in you. Some of us, we have said that before. Some of us, we are still saying that today. God, even if something doesn't go the way that I plan. or I have thought, I have prayed, God, I will still trust in you that you are good. I will still choose to have joy in who you are. One writer by the name of Marshall Seagal, he says this. He puts it this way, which has encouraged me. He writes, quote, I used to think Satan loved suffering. That it was his weapon of choice against our faith. But while he certainly and viciously tries to make the most of it, I now suspect Satan secretly hates suffering. Simply, he's seen too many people Drawn closer to Christ, He has watched for thousands of years while God has taken all that He meant for terrible evil and worked it for undeniable good. Hold off. You may be going through something right now that only you and the Lord knows. Have joy. Because you are not alone in that valley. The Lord is there with you. And there is purpose to this. If it is meant for you to let go of something and say, God, I let go of this so that I can cling on to you. Or if it serves as a reminder. Of the glory that we will share one day with Him. There is purpose to our sufferings. It points us to joy. As I was challenged this week with my understanding of joy, I started, you start to venture into an area that you're unfamiliar with, a place that you, you, you're very uncomfortable You see, as I was reading this, similarly to the shepherds during this moment in Luke 2, when there's something that we are unfamiliar with, even if it's a good thing, there's a sense of fear due to change, right? When we don't know what's ahead, when we don't know what's around the corner, even if it's something good, there's, there's this anxiousness and fear That is instilled in us. We look back at our text beginning in the second half of verse 9. And they were filled with great fear. And the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we're introduced to these shepherds, right? These shepherds who are considered lowly, who's out in the fields doing shepherd things, and bam! All of a sudden, angels appear. So you can imagine, right? So, so put yourself in their shoes. Is that you're outside cutting grass or pulling weeds in the middle of your in, in your yard in the middle of the night? Sure. Like, I'll be honest. I've done that before. Um, and then all of a sudden, in the midst of the dark, dark area there, the dark night, is that someone? it seems as if someone turned on the switch. Light goes on. And not only are there lights there, but you see this figure in front of you, unknown to you, unfamiliar. So yeah, I'll be scared. I'll be the first to admit that I will be terrified. I will go like, What's going on? My hands are up. Just take whatever it is that you want, right? A sense of fear due to the unknown. As soon as you're about to run away, as soon as you're about to drop everything and say, you know what? I'm gone. Forget this. You hear a voice that speaks to you and tells you, fear not. See, this is the thing that joy does, is that joy drives out fear. This message of joy that the angels bring and has brought and brought to this, the shepherds is one that drives out fear. It is not one that condemns, but one that liberates. And again, it's not just for one person. It's not just for those three, but it's for all Humanity. You see, this is a message that should be rooted in your soul. This message that a child who was born, who would save the world from sin. Peter explains it best in his his letter to the church. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. Oh, what confidence we have, what assurance we have when we hear this. That sin, the thing that caused death, the thing that causes pain, no longer has a hold on me. I am redeemed by Jesus. You see, we can say these things, we can say these things with confidence because of this message right here. This message that the Savior who is the Christ, the Lord, is here. A few weeks ago, we spent some time praying for the persecuted church. And again, you know, just a quick reminder I hope that you have been praying for them in your in your personal time. So you think of our brothers and sisters in those areas, in those countries, in those hostile environments. Where being a Christ follower is punishable by death. And yet they stand boldly. There's a sense of boldness and fearlessness. And you wonder why. And it is simple. They have the message of joy with them. This message of joy that... If my body is destroyed, even if they take the the blood out of my body and it flows and it falls onto the ground, even if when my body is destroyed, I myself am not. Because I am with the Lord. I am with Jesus. Christ the Lord, I am with them. This message of joy that is given to the shepherds by the angels is not one to simply be told and forgotten. This message is one that, pro- that was promised when God presented His redemptive plan for all of mankind until, to- until today still. This is what I want to get at that, is that joy... Is from the Lord. Joy originates from Him and it will end with Him. And this should give you hope. This should give you peace. This should let you know that you are loved. This should fill your soul with this everlasting. Again, not. Until so-and-so time, it's everlasting joy. Joy allows us to see Jesus in every circumstance. Joy that is found in Jesus is not one to dissolve over time or stay stagnant, but rather it grows over time. The glory of the Lord shone around them. We read that in, text, in, 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 in uh, verse 9 and 14. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And we continue to verse 14. The glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we asked this question earlier. What does joy do? Joy that is found in Jesus is everlasting. It has an everlasting effect. For the homeowners is that we know that, or homeowners, or if you, you know, you, or if you're... Still a teen, and you're still living with your parents, is that you often get yelled at for turning, uh, being reminded to turn off the electricity, turn off the faucet when you're not using it, turn off these things. It's different with joy. Joy is something that you cannot turn off, even in the middle of our suffering, even in the middle of our weaknesses, even in the middle of our fear. Joy is there. One of the things of suffering that I was pondering and been pondering upon is the fact that spiritually we are orphans. This message of joy points us to the fact that we are no longer spiritual orphans. This long-suffering of being a spiritual orphan it's no longer the case for you and I when we hear this message of hope, this message of peace, this message of love, this message of joy. The fear of being an orphan is no longer the case. This message of joy ushers us into the Lord's family, to God's family. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are welcomed into the family of God. Again, no longer orphans, no longer living in fear, but rather walking triumphantly, victoriously, joyously only found in Christ. What God began with his glory, which we see in this text in verse 9, it will end with his glory. The joy of the fulfilled promise is everlasting. So for us this morning, I hope that this serves as an encouragement for you As you leave here today. Is that we are no longer waiting for joy to arrive. We are no longer in that long suffering. The long suffering has ended. We have joy because the Messiah, the Christ has come. And not only has he come to the world. He desires to know you. It's not as if like he is just somebody that's on the stage that you can never reach, that you can never touch, that you can never say, "Hey, can I get part of or or, or or can I get your attention?" No, he desires to know you. Do not be in your long suffering by yourself. Do not keep the Lord at a distance. Do not wallow in that sorrow alone. Come to him. This is a message of joy. Joy that is found in Jesus will drive out all fear within your soul. When you say, yes, Lord, I receive your joy, this is the thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit moves, enters into your soul and begins that internal work a passage that many of us are familiar with. Galatians chapter 5, verses 25, the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't give us a a, a, a spirit of fear, but one that is full of joy. And this joy would drive out the fear. Similarly, like, like our brothers and sisters around the world who are in the persecuted church, Again, one of the reasons why they can say, sure, I'm willing to die for the Lord is because I know that I'm going to be with them. You, for you to know as you depart from here is to know that joy is found in Jesus. The joy that is found in Jesus is everlasting. What a blessing it is to hear that you don't have to turn it off. You don't have to go and be reminded that, oh, I'm in suffering. I got to go and flip the, flip the joy switch on. No, it, it doesn't turn off. You don't have to worry about it. And that in that, this joy that is everlasting may spur you on. So, this joy that is here, the question is this. If you are in a place where you're saying, I don't have joy, if you are in a place where you're saying that it's hard for me to see joy in this circumstance, have hope. Have hope. Because joy is not far. Joy is as simple as you asking the Lord to come, to intervene, to invade your soul. So the question is, what are you waiting for? May that be a challenge to you this week. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you thanking you for this time. Thanking you for your word. And Lord, as we talk about this theme of joy in this season, Lord, for many of us, some of us here, it hasn't been a joyful year. It hasn't been a joyful season. But Lord, would you remind us that joy is not based upon our circumstances around us. Joy is based on your promises. Joy is founded, rooted, begins with your son Jesus, and it ends with him. So Lord, anywhere that we may fall in between this journey of joy, Lord, we know that you are there. We know that you hold all things Father, we come before you, and Lord, I pray for those here who may be in need of you, in need of your joy. Would your spirit fall? Would your Holy Spirit fall? We ask Holy Spirit, fall. Invade the hearts and the souls of those in need of you. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.